If you are turning with me in your Bibles, we're going to start in Matthew 10. Matthew 10, and, and today I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes. I know some of y'all are waiting to see, especially if you were here last week and heard what I had to say about the series. But I'm going to talk to you today about Peter. As we continue in our series that I'm calling Follow Me. If you didn't get to hear, um, see two weeks ago, we talked about, three weeks ago, we talked about Matthew. And then I was out and Jesse brought a great word. And then the next week, we talked about Judas. That was last week. So if you didn't hear that, go listen to that because it's going to tie into some stuff we're going to talk about today. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. So if you didn't hear that one, go back and listen to the message about Judas. That's why this towel's still up here. So we talked about last week how Judas kind of gave up. Right? He got to that really bad place and mentally he was just tormented and things didn't turn out like he thought and he gave up. He hung himself. He ran away and remember said, it's not time to throw in the towel. Wherever you're at in life, no matter how bad things are, no matter if you've hurt somebody or somebody else has hurt you, no matter where you're at mentally, physically, emotionally, it doesn't, it's not time to give up. You're still breathing. God's got a plan for you. So take that towel and use it to wipe off the sweat. Take that towel and do what Jesus did. Serve somebody. Don't take that towel and go hang yourself like old Judas. So today we're going to talk about Matthew. No, we're not. We already talked about Matthew. We're starting in Matthew. Today we're going to talk about Peter. And what Peter do? We all know, I mean, we're going to read a few things and talk about a few things, but everybody pretty much knows the story. You know, Peter messed up pretty bad too. There's really not a whole lot of difference between Peter and Judas. We're going to see that here in a minute. But as some of the disciples are kind of hard to study and come up with a whole message on, because we just don't have that much on them, Peter's not. There's plenty of stuff about Peter. We can come up with three or four messages about Peter. So uh, I came up with one. It's going to last two or three hours because there's just so much to talk about about old Peter. Now, I narrowed it down. Don't worry. Narrowed it down a little bit. and We're going to talk about a few things, and I believe God's going to speak through the life of Peter. Now, I just want to start out by saying he was a little crazy. If you go read the story, which I did this week, and read all the different gospel accounts of Peter, he was a little bit crazy. He was a man's man. He was real up and down. He opened his mouth all the time, sometimes when he shouldn't. He was bold. He was, he was a fisherman. And apparently a pretty good fisherman because he had a boat and he had a family. And we know from Scripture that he had a house. And he was known, and he had business partners, James and John, and Zebedee, their dad. We know that they were all partners. So we know from that that he was a pretty good fisherman. Now, he wasn't just a, a ragtag weekend fisherman, somebody trying to make it by. Like that's, He was good at it. That's what he did. It was his career, his business, and he was good at it. So he would have been strong. He was a hard worker. Probably had a real good suntan dark complexion because he was out on the boat fishing all the time 
We know that he had races, that he was very competitive. We know that he was married only we don't get the name of his wife or anything, but we know that he was married because we see in Scripture that Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And that's also why most scholars think that he ended up denying Jesus. <laughs> These are the jokes, people. <laughs> but we know that he was married because you don't have a mother-in-law if you're not married. So he was married, which adds a lot to the fact that Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. And he said, okay. And he left everything. Well, that means he also left a wife and a family. Like we don't know about some of the disciples you know, it'd be a little bit easier if you're just a single dude. If you didn't have a family and this street preacher said, hey, come and follow me. And you felt a moving and a stirring and you said, okay. And you took off. Cool. A little bit harder when you got a wife at home. And we don't think about it. We don't have it recorded probably because he did that alone. So none of these guys got to write that down. But think about that conversation when he had to go back and talk to his wife. Hey, some crazy stuff happened today. Oh, really? I'm sure crazy stuff always happens with you, Peter. No, honey, I really need to talk to you about this. Like, it's, this is serious. Like, okay, so we fished all night and we caught nothing. And I called my partners over and they were fishing too. And they caught nothing too. And she's like, great. So we can't pay the bills. That's what this is about. No, just hold on. It, it gets crazier. Like, remember that street preacher? Remember Jesus who my brother Andrew told me about? And remember him? And Andrew thinks he might be the Messiah. Well, he showed up and he said, cast your net on the other side. And I honest, honestly got a little bit upset. I was like, man, what do you know about this? You're a carpenter, a rabbi. You're, you're not a fisherman. And But... The way he looked at me, I felt like maybe I should just try it. And so we threw our nets over on the right side. And there were so many fish that we couldn't pull them in the boat. And we had to call over James and John to help us out. And it was crazy. Like we couldn't even pull it all into the boat. It was enough to pay off all our debt. So then you imagine his wife like, what? Is this even a real story? Like, is it? That's not all. It's about to get crazy. Well, oh, because that wasn't crazy. Yeah, well, I told him to just go away from me because I'm sinful. And he said, come follow me. And I, and I know it sounds crazy, but... Something in me says I have to. Like he had a family he had to leave, and I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself in the story. So I need to get back to my notes. It was hard to leave your family. He heard from God. He was the first one we know that heard God's voice. Remember when he said to Jesus, Jesus said, who am I? Who do men say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He heard from God. And then Jesus said, hey, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my father that's in heaven. Ten minutes later, Jesus is calling him the devil. Say, get behind me, Satan. He was very up and down. This man was very passionate. Sometimes he acted on his feelings. 
but he always acted with passion. He loved deeply, and he was all in all the time. Going in good or, or going bad or going running to or from, he was... One thing we see about Peter through the Gospels is that he was all in. And he was the leader. He was the leader of all the disciples. And I've done a lot of studying about that this week and stuff. I'm, I'm going to show you Matthew 10, verse 2. Um, Matthew, obviously Matthew recorded this. And he says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon. And so, right there where he says, the first, if you would have just read over this, you would think, well, that Peter was the first one. Simon, I'm calling him Peter. His name was Simon at first, and Jesus gives him the nickname. But the first is Simon, and that was translated the first, um, but that was a Greek word that means the chief or the leader. Matthew wants us to know that Peter was the leader. Peter was the chief, the most important of all the disciples that Peter was in charge. He was next in command under Jesus. That's what that word means. That's what Matthew wanted us to know. The first, Simon. You see, Andrew was technically the first, if you're talking about it in like order of who became a disciple first or who believed in Jesus first. That would have been his brother Andrew, who then had to come and kind of convince Peter. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of De Zebedee, and John, his brother. So Peter was the leader. Peter was first. He had some major failures. But he got up. And he did amazing things. Right? He was the one that, that preached the message on the day of Pentecost. He's the one that stood up and started preaching. And in Acts, we see that him and John were preaching in the synagogue and the, the Pharisees and the educated people and the religious people looked at them and, and it says, the Bible says that they marveled. They said, how can these unlearned and ignorant men, they use the words where, where we get our words stupid, how can these stupid men, how can these ignorant, uneducated men, how can he speak that way with such wisdom? Like he did some amazing things. He's the one that confronted Simon the wizard in Acts. There's like a wizard of Oz in the Bible and Peter went and confronted him. He healed lame people and he raised people from the dead, him and John. And thank God he had that vision about the blanket coming down with all the different kinds of animals on it and made the announcement that it's okay for us to eat all different kinds of meat. I'm really grateful for that. Good move. He's known by some of the scholars as a great contradiction because he was so good and so bad. Like he, he did so many things right, like he got to walk on water and he heard from God and then he did so many things wrong. 
and messed up, like on the Mount of Transfiguration when he opened his big mouth when Jesus was trying to do this awesome thing. And he's like, let's all build tents and live up here forever. I'll build three tents. And, and the Bible says that God just like kind of sent a cloud over him and like had to like shut him up. This guy was the great contradiction. He, he was so good and so bad. Sound like any of y'all? Me. He was a great influencer. Acts 5, 14 tells us. Let me read you. Acts 5, 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. And 15, in so much that they brought forth sick unto the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Like people were bringing sick people and people that needed a touch from God out into the street that they knew Peter was going to walk down and laying them on couches and beds and stuff on the street just hoping that his shadow would hit them as he walked by. Hey, let's come a long way from the old fisherman that kept sticking his foot in his mouth. This man had so much influence and respect and honor and he's pretty famous in the Catholic world. How? How did he do it? How could somebody with so many flaws and failures come so far? Look, Acts 5.40 on the next page. Um, this is telling us that it says Peter and the other apostles. It doesn't even tell us who all was there with him, but we know Peter and some of the other apostles were there and Everybody's getting mad at, at because they're just going around turning the cities upside down and praying for people and healing people and preaching this gospel of Jesus. And they lock them up in jail and an angel opens up the door and they go straight back to the church and keep preaching. And so the religious leaders are like, what are we supposed to do? So they grab them again and they tell them to quit talking about Jesus. And to him they agreed and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go because what's the point of locking them up? The angel just opens the door. So they just got them this time and beat them real bad and said, now don't talk about Jesus. Verse 41 says, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. Word rejoicing is to be joyful, joying, overflowing with joy. It's to be glad, delighted. Because they got beat and told not to speak about Jesus. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple. And in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They just kept right on going, never stopped. They counted it joy. They got beat, bloodied up backs. They just kept right on doing what they were doing. They didn't take any time off to heal up. All right, it would have been okay if they just disappeared for a while and let their 
their wounds and scars healed up, and I understand. No, they counted it joy. There's a good illustration. Check this out. Look at these scars on my back. Peter ended up being a huge part of God's story. pretty famous so today as we look at Peter I want you to see what God does with your failure let's look at when Jesus first met him this isn't when Jesus called him no with most a lot of the disciples most all the disciples when Jesus met him, he called him. He met him, he said, hey, come follow me, not Peter. A little harder, harder shell to crack, I think. Jesus had to have his brother telling him, like, it's the Messiah. And then Jesus had to meet him. And Jesus meets him and gives him a nickname. But he doesn't call him at this point. Let's look at it. John 1, verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak, this is John the Baptist, Jesus his cousin, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew had actually heard John the Baptist speak, and he was a follower of John the Baptist. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and he said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone, or Peter. So immediately, Jesus just met this dude. Don't you feel like that's kind of weird? If I walk up and, you know, say, I've never met Tristan. And I walk up to him and he says, hey. And I say, you are Tristan, son of Chad. But from now on, you're going to be called The Rock. Isn't that kind of a weird first meeting? (laughs) So I started looking for, I was looking for some pictures. Um, and it's really hard to find pictures, but I wanted you to be able to put a face with, with the guy that we're talking about. So it's really hard to find pictures from over 2,000 years ago. But I've got a couple of them, if Ben could throw them up there. Yeah, this is, this is the rock, the fisherman. He's out there fishing. You can go ahead and flip through some of those. Here he is. He was a big mouth. I told you he had a, a nice dark tan. He loved fishing. He loved bragging about his big fish and stuff. Had kind of a big mouth. Got a cool nickname. I think that's John. He's there with John on the visor. Peter. <laughs> now, later is when Peter got called by Jesus. This was later on after he had fished all night. Remember I started telling you this story? I think we got a little video of 
of when Jesus actually got called. When Peter actually got called by Jesus. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe, but my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do.
Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> You've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. Hey, it's Dallas and the creator of the So that's when Jesus actually called him. When the first time they met, the first time they met, Jesus was calling to who he was. First time they met, Jesus planted a seed. And later, what we just watched, Jesus would ask him to come and follow me. But he spoke to who he would be. Matthew 4.20, um, where it's telling the story that we just watched on the video. It says, immediately they left their nets. Jesus said, come follow me. And it says, immediately they left their nets. That was it. And they followed him. No, Jesus doesn't say, come follow me tomorrow. Jesus doesn't say, um, hey, come follow me when you retire. The, Jesus doesn't say, hey, come follow me when you get your finances in order. Jesus doesn't say, hey, come follow me when you get all your stuff fixed. And when you lay down your addictions and when you work out all your problems, then come follow me. Hey, when you're done raising kids and you have a little more time, then come follow me. No. Jesus' call to every one of us, no matter where we are in life, right here, right now, today, the call to you is, hey, come follow me. And you have a choice. You have a decision. He won't force you. Because if it was a forced relationship, that's not love. Love can't be forced. So he gives you free will. And he says, come follow me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you hope. Come follow me. But you have to make the decision to immediately come and follow. Don't make excuses. Don't put it off till tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now. You you have to make that decision to step out in faith. We've talked about before the, the fact that purpose does not have a parking spot. They're just not going to sit around and wait on you. You must chase it. That's faith. That's stepping out and chasing after what God says. That Immediately, they left their nets. Not one day. You see, Peter never had a casual 
relationship. He never had a casual relationship with Jesus. If you meet an addict, they don't have a casual relationship with their DOC, their drug of choice. They're going to get it, no matter what it costs. They don't even think about it. They just go after it immediately. Why? Because it's an addiction. They'll go without sleep. They don't care what you think. They don't care what it costs. They must have it. And according to all the stats in this paper I read last week, most American Christians have a casual relationship with God and His body in church attendance, in giving. Less than one-third of Christians give or tithe. People that proclaim to be Christians uh, in the U.S. go to church on average once a month. Serving, etc. It's just not a must. It's a casual relationship. It's definitely not a worship or an addiction. Do you know that generosity and giving, it it's scientifically proven that it releases chemicals and endorphins into your brain that release hope, optimism, and creativity? When you give, when you're generous, when you give to something more, bigger than yourself, when you help somebody else, it releases these chemicals in your brain. Hope, optimism, and creativity. So if you feel hopeless or pessimistic a lot, or maybe you're not creating, you're just spending your life consuming, you're not really contributing, check your giving. I mentioned in, in worship, and that ties right into it, that if faith is the builder, then hope is the architect. If you're struggling with hope, check your giving. Peter was chosen, and so are you. You need to know that. God chose Peter. God chose Matthew that we looked at the first week, and God chose Judas. God chose Peter. But that's cool to think about the disciples and these Bible stories and, and the Bible that we read and that God chose them and they did great and awesome things and some of them failed really big and some of them, all their stories, that's really cool. But don't miss the fact that God chose you. Every single one of you. Jesus says, come and follow me. So we know the story that when it got towards the end, in the interest of time, I'm not going to read all of the story because I'm pretty sure we're, we're all familiar with it. It got towards the end and Jesus said, hey, I'm about to go to the cross. And one of you is going to betray me. And it's already been prophesied by the prophets that when you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. He said, y'all are all going to run away. You're all going to leave me. And Peter said, not me. I'll never will. 
Maybe these idiots will, but I won't. They might walk away. They might leave you, but I never will. It's me and you, Jesus, all the way to the end. I'd die before I would walk away. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And we know that he did. And that it got to the point that this girl asked him, hey, aren't you, aren't you one of his disciples? Like you sound like him, your accent giving you away. And he started cussing. I never knew him. I was never around him. And then one, the third one, they ask him again, and he's in the courtyard there watching Jesus on trial, and he's warming his hands by a charcoal fire. It's very specific. And he's warming his hands, and somebody comes up to him. Now, remember Peter. Remember he had the sword where we saw last week when Judas betrayed Jesus, and and they thought it was going to be this revolution, and Peter had the sword on him, so he pulls out the sword, and he chopped off the servant's ear, which the servant would have been the only unarmed man there, so he didn't go after one of the, like, Roman soldiers. I guess he wanted to pick off the kid to scare him or something, but it would have been a young, unarmed person that he chopped off the ear, and he obviously wasn't that good with a sword because... I don't think anybody goes after an ear. I think that was a miss. Either he swung for the neck and dude ducked it and it caught his ear or something, but he wasn't that good with a sword. He had a lot of passion, not a lot of... All right, so he chopped off the ear and Jesus healed the ear. But I say that to say this. On the third time, he was going to deny... He was. He thought he wasn't going to deny him. He's there warming his hands by a charcoal fire and somebody said, Hey... I recognize you from somewhere. And he's like, no, not me. He said, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? He said, no. Dude said, yeah, no, I never forget a face. Yeah, you chopped off my cousin's ear a couple hours ago. It happened to be one of his relatives of the dude that got the ear chopped off. Peter said, no, it wasn't. I don't know him. And Peter cusses. And he looks over, and the Bible tells us that Jesus there, beaten and chained up, was looking across the courtyard. And they made eye contact as he denied him the third time. And then the rooster crowed. And it was in that moment where he realized, and he betrayed Jesus. See, Peter and Judas, they're not much different. They both betrayed Jesus. They both let him down. Peter, maybe even worse. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Didn't see all that. Wasn't all. Peter was following him, watching what was going on. And after Jesus came back from the cross, Peter sees him. But Peter wasn't healed. Right, Jesus came back and Peter saw him, and, but Peter still wasn't good. 
he wasn't okay. And so the whole point of this message is, I'm going to wrap it up with this last little part, but the whole point of this message was that Jesus kept coming back, specifically coming back for Peter. He said, tell the disciples and Peter that I'm coming back by the lake. Tell the disciples, and he kept coming back for Peter. Why? Because Peter wasn't okay. He wasn't good. He was falling apart. Look at John 21. And this will be the last time that Jesus showed up to them in person after he, he came back from the cross. And after these things, after what things? The cross. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on the wise showed he himself. And there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. So they're all there. This is after the cross and it's after Peter's big failure part where he let Jesus down and and he followed this man and he left his nets and he left his boats and he left his wife and he left his family and he gave up everything to follow him and and he did some really cool things and he did some really bonehead things too and that and now it just didn't work out starting to sound a lot like the story of Judas that we looked at last week things just didn't turn out like he thought but here's the big difference Judas ran away from everybody. He isolated himself. He ran away from the other disciples. He ran away from his relationships and his connections. He didn't lock himself in the upper room and wait for Jesus and wait for Jesus' presence. And, uh, and Peter ran too. He ran to his brothers. Even though he was upset, even though he wasn't good, even though he betrayed Jesus, even though he was in a really dark, rough place mentally, right there we just read that he was standing around with, all, with the other disciples. And we see that he's going to make a not-so-good decision again. But at least he had people around him. He didn't run away. That's the main difference in those two. So when Peter says, I go fishing, this was not just like me saying, I go fishing. Like today, I think I'm going to go fishing. Because remember, I told you a minute ago, this was his profession. This is what he was doing. This is what his whole life was geared toward and focused to his career, what he would put everything into. It was what he did. It was what Jesus called him away from. So like if I tell Jesse... Um, I'm going to play basketball. Okay, she, she probably thinks I'm going out in the driveway to play horse with Sky. Or at best, I'm coming up to the church to play with some of the teenagers and a few of the old fellas like myself. Right? Like that would be at best. But you remember back in the day when uh, Michael Jordan, the GOAT, 
when he went and tried to play basketball, I mean, when he went and tried to play baseball and he wasn't very good, he, he like wasn't good at baseball, and then he had a press conference. I looked at the, the press conference. You know what he says? Michael Jordan said in the press conference, I'm going to play basketball. That was all he had to say. Peter saying, I'm going fishing. That was like when Michael Jordan said, I'm going to play basketball. Like I'm going back to what I'm good at. This didn't work. It was a great idea. It was a wonderful dream. But I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what puts food on the table. It was a good run for three years. But it's over. It's nothing bad. It's not like he went to a life of crime or sin or immorality. He, he, was, just, he was just going back to what he knew. He was going back to a life without purpose. A life of selfishness where he would provide for himself and his family and whatever. And nothing bigger than him. Nothing greater. He wouldn't change the world. I'm just going back to what I'm good at. It was a nice dream. I go fishing. And they said unto him, We also go with thee. Now what the heck? You're the leader. You're the chief of all of us. If you're saying it didn't work, and you're going back, we are too. You know what? If Peter, he's going back, we might as well go back too. There are people following you. If you choose not to follow him, right, then they're not going to follow him either. They will follow your lead and your example. What's important? And what you will pour yourself into. And they went forth and they entered into a ship immediately. There's that word again. Remember, immediately he left his nets. And here, immediately, he went right back to it. Don't ever think that you're so far removed from whatever it is that Jesus called you out of that you can't immediately go back to it. That's when I've seen people that I love deeply and I'm in great relationship with. And I talked with somebody yesterday and, and about it. And it's, it's then when... When you think you're so far removed or when you think you're strong enough or you think you're so far out of whatever it is that Jesus called you out of and you start thinking you're good, that's when you fall back into it usually. So immediately you walked away from it, but you need to know that immediately you can go right back into where you came from. Immediately, they're back in the ship. And that night they caught nothing. It wasn't profitable. Not only did they not make any money, they didn't even get enough for dinner. They caught nothing. All you have at the end of your life is the lives that you changed and the people that you got to do it with. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. 
But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children. Jesus said, hey, children. And that word, it was translated children, but it's a Greek word. And um, it's a adolescent word. It's a, it means babies with a masculine uh, I can't think how you say it, but it literally means in the Greek, little boys. Like that you would call a baby. So Jesus is on the shore and they don't even recognize Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, little boys, have you any meat? Y'all have any fish? Hey, little boy, you got any fish? It's almost like Jesus is making fun of them. How's that working for you? You went back to what I called you out of, and I I seem to realize that you're exactly where you were when I first found you. You fished all night and caught nothing. Oh, this is the exact same thing that I called you out of. It's not profitable. You're not getting anywhere. You're not, you're not fulfilled. And here you are back to what I called you out of. And Jesus, Jesus is on the shore. Little boys. Hey, little babies. I thought we were past this. And here you are back again. Do you have any fish? Do you have any meat? And they answered, no. No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. Like he's already done this miracle once. They've still not caught on to who this is. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, remember John's writing this about himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, because Peter's not that smart. Remember, he's the rock. Hey, it's the Lord. He just did the miracle. Like Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, He girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. I don't know why he was fishing naked. It seems like a bad idea to me. Doesn't seem very smart, right? But he was fishing naked, and so he put on his clothes, and he did cast himself into the sea. This cast himself, to cast yourself, it's the word picture is like a pelican diving in after fish. It wasn't graceful or pretty or beautiful. And most people take off their clothes to jump in the water. He put on clothes to jump in the water. He's fumbling around and just cast himself off the side of the boat. And then as we read on, John's going to be like, yeah, and we don't know because we were only like 100 yards from shore. And so we just rowed a couple times and made it to the shore. But he, he was panicking. He put on clothes and... And he cast himself into the water. And the other disciples came in a little ship for 
they were not far from land. You can hear in John's writing, like, I don't know why he jumped in to swim. We weren't that far away. But remember, Peter was just passionate. He was all in. He was running to or running from. But as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals. There are only two places in the New Testament where it tells us there were a fire of coals. Specifically lets us know. It was a fire of coals. This one and the one that Peter was warming his hands by the third time that he denied Jesus and they made eye contact. It's the only two places in the New Testament where we see a fire of coals specifically. And fish laid their own and bread. So Jesus asked them if they had any fish. But Jesus already had fish. And it was already cooking. And prepared for them. Like he already had them what they need. Like the same with us. Like he doesn't need you to give anything. He's asking you that for you to see where you're at. Jesus already had fish on the fire of coals. And Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which you have caught now. Go ahead and bring those fish that you caught. Bring your part. Bring your portion. And Jesus And Simon Peter went up and he drew the net to land full of great fishes. 153 to be exact. Thank you, John. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. He took bread and he gave it to him. This is my body. Remember, communion. Verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, this is why he came. This is why he cooked him breakfast. This is why he had to come back the third time. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? Now, the more than these, there's some debate on more than these what the other disciples because before he was saying I love you more than them I'll never leave you maybe they will but I never will I think he might have pointed at those 153 fish you love me more than these do you love me in this life that I've given you a glimpse of and this purpose more than your old life that I called you out of I called you to be a fisher of men. So do you love me and my purpose and the life that I'm offering you more than that, more than these? Maybe he just pointed at a disciple eating the fish and it was two birds with one stone. You love me more than these. And he said unto him, yeah, Lord, 
Thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. Go serve people. Remember the towel. He said, Oh, you love me? Okay, go. Go serve people. Serve humanity. And he said unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time. Remember, he denied him three times. So we've talked about before that I think maybe Jesus was giving him three chances to make that right. Third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved. He was upset. Like Jesus pushed him to the point of getting upset and breaking. Got down to the root of the problem. And maybe Peter realized after the third time, oh, he's, we're getting down to the root of the problem. And he got upset. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. And verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girded thyself, and walkest whether thou wouldest. You went wherever you wanted to go. You, Peter, when you were young, you just did whatever you wanted when you were immature. But now you're supposed to be grown. But, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. He reenacted the whole miracle. Right? He did the same miracle. He called him out. Then he walked him through this step to where he could acknowledge, I denied you three times. And then Jesus could say, but I still love you. And I want you to feed my sheep, feed my people. He walked him through it. And then he gives him the exact same call again. Follow me. Wait, you mean it's not too late? You mean I didn't mess up too bad? You mean there's still hope? There's, there's still a chance? Jesus said, follow me. And then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, that's John, which also leaned on his breast at supper, the one that was closer to Jesus. John's letting us know. And he said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Bro, you're getting... You're worried about somebody else. Jesus is here for you. Jesus is telling you what you need to do. And, and Peter, he said, okay, now come and follow me and feed my sheep. And Peter's like, looks around and sees John following him. Because John's nosy and wants to know what Jesus is saying to Peter. And he looks around and says, hey, but Jesus, what about him? What did you want him to do? What, what, what about John? Why do I have to take out the trash? I already emptied the dishwasher. What about him? And Jesus is sitting there telling him, like, it's time to grow up. And in the middle of him 
Jesus telling him that, he said, what about John? And Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? What does it matter to you? Follow thou me. I ask you to follow me. That's one thing that will mess you up is looking around at other people. Well, God, I understand, God, that you've called me to follow you. And, and God, I understand that you want me to do this or you want me to support that. But well, what about him? What about her? He never even showed up to a work day. Right? Like that's, that's not what Jesus is calling you to do is to ask him what about somebody else. In fact, that's one of the quickest ways to get yourself off track. He's calling you to come follow him. And your obedience is probably going to look different than other people. You're, it's not a cookie cutter call. We all have different giftings and talents and things that God's called us to. Come follow me. Don't worry about him. Jesus says, come follow me. And we won't turn there, but in Luke 22... Jesus didn't just predict Peter's failure. He predicted his return. Right, he, you can go read it in Luke 22, but Jesus said, like, you're going to deny me, you're going to fall away. But then he predicted his return, that he was going to get up. He said, you're going to fall, but when you get up, not if you get up you get back up Jesus offers hope and healing to those that follow him that's what he came to offer healing from yesterday and hope for tomorrow and sometimes just like for Peter there healing is painful sometimes it hurts to get healed and that seems kind of crazy. But sometimes when you have to dig down and clean out the wound or... And one time I had this abscess tooth and it hurt so bad. And I went to the dentist and he hurt me. But he was hurting me by pulling that thing out. He was hurting me to heal me. So sometimes when we're letting go of our old life or we're letting go of things that Jesus has called us to walk away from or we're letting, it's, it feels painful. But it's to heal you. I thought it was really cool that Jesus set this up for Peter the, because Peter you know, he was acted on impulse and feelings and the five senses. And I thought it was really cool that if you think about the five senses, smell, hear, taste, touch, sight, that he had that smoke, the charcoal fire, so that Peter smelled it. Like in this experience of him getting recalled, he smelled the smoke and it was the same smoke that he would have been smelling when he messed up. That same smoke from when he denied him. And when he heard the rooster, 
if Jesus never went back to Peter and healed him, now every time he smelled smoke, he would remember his failure. And every time he heard a rooster crow, he couldn't help but go back to what he threw away and what he lost and how he failed Jesus. And Jesus gave him bread and fish, put a different taste in his mouth. And he touched him deep on that third time where it says that he got upset, he was grieved. And he saw Jesus. So that he could remember. Somebody's been hearing a voice saying that you're not good enough. You're not it. And I want to remind you who you are. Jesus called you. Don't forget to remember the call that's on your life. Remember the moments in his presence. Replace it with a memory of good, with a memory of joy. That's what Jesus was doing. He's giving him a memory that he could replace the failure with. This is why when a woman has a baby, it's scary and painful and uncomfortable and can be traumatizing, but she's willing to do it again. She would never erase that day or take it away. Why? Because she got something great out of it. There was so much joy and love flooding her brain, her senses, that even though she felt pain, she chooses to focus on the hope, the joy, the love. And as time goes on, that's what grows. Her love for the kid, the joy, the hope, the, the pain, the uncertainty, the fear, that all fades away. Because a memory, a scar, it heals and you can still remember it. You can remember that it hurt, but it no longer hurts. And even if something happens that triggers the memory of the pain, you can immediately remember the joy. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for speaking to us. God, thank you that you chase after us. Even when we turn and run away. That you want to heal us. God, forgive us for the times that we've gone back to things that you've called us out of. Forgive us for times that we've We've looked around at other people when you were calling us to you. God, we love you. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.